This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Yeah, I already got. I figured now would be a good time to get the silence so that you wouldn't even realize it. Wow. Because usually that first 10 seconds of silence that we have at the beginning is so hard for you. It is hard for me. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Pizza and Parsecs. I'm Liv. I'm Dave. And you have to do the Red Five part because I don't have that memorized. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are proud to call the Red Five Network home. Yeah, we are. It's pretty awesome. I was trying to think of a song that says something about home, but I can't. Home. It's like our house in the middle of... Red 5. Our house. (laughs) (laughs) You can check out all of our brothers and sisters in the Red 5 Network at red5network.com. Got geek stuff, got sci-fi stuff, got Star Wars stuff, all the stuff you could ever ask for. Red5network.com. Before we dive in, Liv, real quick, we got some new things, didn't we? Yeah, we have new glasses. We we got new glasses. We've grown up now. You can't see it, but we did. Apparently, our eyesight has deteriorated from the last time that we both got glasses. Um, yes. My eyesight got worse. My prescription got stronger. Now you're getting used to actually being able to see. Again. Well, my glasses, my old glasses weren't bad. Like, I could see. These are just twice as strong as what they used to be. <laughs> yeah, same here. I mean, not not twice as strong for me, because I got new glasses like two years ago. So mine are only probably a little bit stronger than before. It's it's nice. I like them a lot. Yeah. I got some thicker rimmed ones. You did. I got some thinner rimmed ones. Yes, you did. We switched. Well, and it's almost been two years for me, too, and my eyesight got worse rapidly in those almost two years. I have astigmatism. Apparently, it's a big old stigmatism. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't. I just have bad eyesight. (laughs) So we got new glasses, and one thing that I kind of wanted to try out doing before we dive into the show is to kind of do a This Week in Geek, what we've been up to as two adult nerds. For me, that's been working. Been playing a lot of Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, you have. For those of you that have played it, I am currently playing on the arena where you battle all of the deadly animals, and that's like the bane of my existence right now. I'm not very good at it. It's hard. It's really hard. I'm almost to the point where I'm like, I'm going to just go story mode. So that like nobody does like hardly any damage to me so that I can just get through this part. (laughs) Nice. I've also been reading Master and Apprentice as well. I've been trying to read that since we got married and I haven't really found myself having a lot of time to read. And I'm trying to be more disciplined with when I go to bed and actually set having that solid turn down time. Turned down for what time? And that's I've been reading Master Apprentice, and uh, as many of you already know, hot take books dope. It's really good. 
Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's awesome. I love it. Why is that a hot take? Because it's a Claudia Gray book, and Claudia Gray is incredible. She's uh, the author of the Lost Stars book that you're going to read at some point. Yeah, at some point. You have things ahead of that, though. I think you were going to read that that Neil Gaiman Book of Magic comic. That one's first. And then my other new comic is second that you got me um, about the other female magician. Satana. Yep. And then that one's third. Dope. I just haven't had time to read. Because you've been playing some Animal Crossing. I've been playing Animal Crossing. I've been playing Super Mario Sunshine. I've been playing Among Us. Y'all. First off, 50th anniversary. 50th, right? Of Mario. I think it's 50th. Something like that. I don't know. I didn't pay attention to that, to be perfectly honest with you. Oh, well, you can roast me in the comment section below. In the comic section of Spotify, iTunes. Yeah. (laughs) I said that on purpose because I know there's not actually one. Hey, hey. And Nintendo brought back Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy all in a bundle pack for the Switch with some some perks. You can play two-player at at some point in some of the um, actual gaming and I haven't figured that out yet. That's only in Galaxy, from what I understand. Well, that's sad, because I've never played Galaxy. I've played the other two before. <laughs> when I looked it up, because I was... We're always looking for a good, solid couch co-ops to play together. Yeah. And I saw that on the back of this game that there was a two-player capability on it for couch co-op. And it's something different with yeah. it's not Super the most Mario a- Galaxy. Right. It's not the most appealing couch yeah. co-op. Um, but the other two games I play are very much couch co-ops. You could play with me in Animal Crossing and in Among Us. I like watching you play Among Us, and I like watching you play Animal Crossing because I get so infuriated with watching you play Animal Crossing in a fun way. Right. Because you'll, like, catch, like, a whale shark. Yeah. And then you'll just casually put it in your pocket. That makes no sense to me. Right. I had like, what, 15 pumpkins in my pocket the other day? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I've been harvesting my pumpkins, you know, getting all getting all the pumpkin good, good. And realistically, it's not that different from something like, you know, your standard RPG, like Skyrim, for example. Right. Like you're carrying like... Seven swords. Exactly. It, realistically, it's not much different from that. It's just, it really it really struck me when I saw you put an entire whale shark in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. Well, why not? Because reasons. And then Among Us is fun to watch you play. Mostly because of the person you turn into in the comments. Like, when it's like, discuss. And you just, you, you turn into like this mean girl. It's like, who it's is, like, what? Who is this person? Well, when people hit emergency meeting two seconds after the game starts, I'm going to sit there and be like, what? And that's like literally all you said. It's just like, <laughs> What? Like, so angry. It's either that or it's the same thing every single time. Where? Yeah. Every single time. Oh, yeah. Well, if somebody finds a dead body, everyone's like, okay, where was the dead body? So we can all, like, vouch for ourselves and say we didn't do it. I want to know what would happen if nobody said where, though. 
Like, would there just be silence? Or would the person that called it say, hey, I found a body here. Probably. Not requiring the where. Probably. The latter. Yeah. Most likely. So what's... there? (laughs) Well, and my favorite is when I start getting frustrated in Among Us because I'm trying to do... And if... To our listener out there, if you haven't played Among Us, what are you doing? If you haven't even seen people play Among Us, what are you doing? It's currently one of the like the hot free games out there. I paid for it on my PC because thought that would be way more fun than um, playing it on my phone. And then my brother and I can play from two different houses and talk to each other. And you know, it's a little bit easier, and the controls are a lot you know a lot easier. But one of the one of the quests or one of the the tasks as a crewmate is you have to download data from one part of the ship and then go upload it to another part of the ship. This is the longest task. Like this takes a solid 10 seconds of sitting there and letting this thing happen. There are other tasks that take long, but you can actually like move around. Like when you inspect specimens or things like that, you go and you do your thing and you can go and do another task and come back to it. This one takes the longest and is not even a visual task to prove that's what you're doing. You just look like you're standing there. So either A, you get blamed for just standing there and doing quote unquote fake tasks, or B, you're leaving yourself super vulnerable to be killed, or the worst, C, you're in the middle of a download and somebody hits the emergency meeting and all you want to do is be the imposter and slice that person in half. Why do terrible things happen to good people? I don't know. 10 seconds, you said? Just about. That's like an eternity for Space Clue. Right? Well, and you have to do it twice, so it's all grand total of like 20 seconds. It could be a little longer. But anyway, if any of our listeners want to play Among Us with me, hit us up in our DMs, and uh, I will gladly, gladly play Among Us with with our listeners. And you can see the monster that she becomes. Yeah. Um, And I'm not joking. I'm being being dead serious here. Like, let's let's play Among Us. Let's do it. (laughs) So... That has been This Week in Geek. Woohoo! Well, I am actually leading this episode today. I'm very excited. Um, and today, today we're talking... Uh, this is what happens when I write my own notes down. <laughs> today we're taking a detour from our normal magical conversations and deep diving into the world of our favorite Sanderson sisters of Salem. A lovable, immortal man-child cat who seems to be the only one with an accent. <laughs> a zombie who for some reason cheated on Bette Midler with Sarah Jessica Parker. We are asking ourselves why too. And of course, our favorite trinity of heroes with so much Disney Channel cheese slime, it could be donated to Nickelodeon Studios to cover the whole audience of the Kids' Choice Awards. Because let's be honest, we're all surprised that Disney Channel has not taken over the world and just bought out all of the TV stations, except for Cartoon Network and HBO, not on brand. That's right. We're talking about the beloved 1993 film, Hocus Pocus. Amok, 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 amok. I am so excited. This is hands down my favorite Halloween movie on the planet. So to to kind of set the scope here, set some context of what we've been doing this month. It's Halloween month, right? So we've been trying to watch more often than not scary suspense mystery thriller horror genre type films 
where I'll pick one one night and then Liv will pick one another night. I usually pick the Disney Channel ones. We watched Twitches, y'all. Oh, we yeah. watched Twitches. And Halloween Town. With Tia and Tamara Twitches. <laughs> yes. Halloween Town does not hold up for me. But maybe that's another episode. Held up for me. <laughs> I love Halloween Town. But what did hold up for me was Hocus Pocus. And truthfully, I probably haven't seen this movie since the late 90s. Yeah, probably, probably like 96, 97. I think that was probably the last time that I actually actively watched this movie as opposed to, you know, just browsing and then it just happens to be on. So I'll watch it for a little bit. And I had so much fun watching this as an adult. It was it was just a joyful experience and not even from like a nostalgia aspect. I don't have a ton of nostalgia for this film. Like I remember when it came out and that it was a annual Halloween event for me to to watch it for a number of years. But it didn't really resonate with me as a kid as much as like some other movies might. Like Aladdin. Like Aladdin I I have a lot of nostalgia for. Right. But Hocus Pocus just wasn't my thing, probably because it it was one of those movies that probably wasn't allowed to be my thing because ah. we were an anti-magic household. Gotcha. So that probably explains a little bit of it. But it was so much fun watching this because we watched it twice now. Oh, yeah. Once uh, early in the month and once because we wanted to talk about it for our Halloween episode. Spooky. I love Sarah Jessica Parker in this. She is a absolute trip and a half to watch. I, I so much fun and Bette Midler, of course. Of course, um, I'm not a huge Sarah Jessica Parker fan. Mm-hmm. Very apparent by my introduction. I, I, I got that. Um, I've never been a Sarah Jessica Parker fan. I never liked Sex and the City. I I just have never been big on her. This is the exception. This is the one exception to the rule because it's just, she's fantastic. And it's only because I watch it and I don't see her. I see her character. So fun fact about Sarah Jessica Parker. I think the last time that I actually, I saw Sarah Jessica Parker in something, I went to the theater to see Sex the Sex and the City movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've never seen it. It was nothing. It, it did nothing for me. Right. <laughs> Well, no surprise there. Well, like but, I said, I've never seen the show, so. But she's she nails her character mm-hmm. in this in so many awesome ways, like the amok thing, right? Like it's so it's so stupid and silly. Right. It's like the she's the Harley Quinn of the Sanderson sisters, right? Is how I would classify her. Yeah. Well, let's break down really quick, just kind of what air like what we're dealing with in this particular area of um, movies and shows. Obviously, this was the height of the Disney Channel original movies. Um, I remember, now, I was born in 92, so this came out a year later, so I'm not going to remember the day it came out or anything. But I remember the OG Disney Channel original movie series and how big those were. And the really the kickoff, I feel like, was Hocus Pocus. And I feel like that was really the start of a very big sweep that Disney Channel was having with their movies and with their content as far as, you know, their movies go. Um, but like I said earlier, this was 1993. Um, we have the director, Kenny Ortega, and this actually came out in July. This didn't even come out it, like during Halloween season. We see this coming 
you know, much earlier than Halloween. And it was still a huge success, obviously. Did this actually have a theatrical release? I don't think so. I think it was a, uh, was a Disney Channel original movie. So it just went straight to Disney Channel. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, our cast consists of Sarah Jessica Parker, Bette Midler, Kathy gonna mess her name up. Najimi? I don't know how to say it. Najime. Yeah. That's that's how Forrest Gump would say it. So. Yeah. Thora Birch, who played Danny. Vanessa Shaw, who played Allison. Vanessa with an I. Yeah. With an I. Just want to point that out. <laughs> and Ormy Katz, um, playing Max. So those were like our main six characters. Who played the... Um, can I see that real quick? Are you wondering who played Billy? The zombie? Yeah. His name is Billy. It's this one right here. Okay. I also wanted to see who played Ice. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Doug Jones played Billy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean... Oh, I guess we could say Binks, too. Sean Murray played Zachary Binks. But he talked to Cat. He was the only one with an accent. Threw me off a little bit. Anyway... He had remarkably good hair for someone in the 1600s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, looked like one of the Lawrence brothers kind of good hair. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, so, we, you know, this was the same time as, like, Disney was releasing things like... Hold on, I needed to look that up and I have it here, but I forgot to pull it up. Well, 93 was also the same year as Nightmare Before Christmas as well, which is not my favorite movie. To be perfectly honest with you. That was very scary. It wasn't even scary for me. I just don't. I'm not somebody that particularly cares for that movie. But what else did Disney do? Um, That was actually the same year Aladdin came out. So you could say this was the year Disney embarked on a whole new world. Oh, yes. Yeah, Hocus Pocus did come out in the box office. Oh, it did have a theatrical release. It did. And it bombed. I had no idea. It did? It bombed. <gasps> yeah. It did very, very, very poorly at the box office. Okay. But, I mean, let's also remember they released it in July, not during Halloween. Doesn't make yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah, that seems like an interesting decision. Right? Um, Nightmare Before Christmas. did it, it? That did come out around Halloween time. That's probably why they released Hocus Pocus so soon, opposed to that, because they knew Tim Burton was a bigger name than Kenny Ortega. Um, Kenny Ortega is known for a lot of Disney Channel original movies like High School Musical and some of the newer stuff. He is the man responsible for High School Musical. He is. I do know that. He's a fantastic director for musicals and for things like that, in my opinion. Well, this movie had a musical aspect to it. It did. And that's a great transition into the very typical Disney algorithm that Hocus Pocus follows, being that we have our normal heroes, we have our very stereotypical villains, and we have a very stereotypical algorithm that the movie kind of follows, going from a nice introduction to a character building situation to a false hoped ending, and then psych, they're not really dead. They come back into the glorious happy ending that we always get with Disney. Well, I think more than that, the the typical Disney trope are like those really cheesy heart-to-heart moments. Like Oh yes. When Danny and Max fight 
while they're trick-or-treating. Right. And then she just, like, dramatically collapses on the bale of hay. Right. <laughs> well, we also can look at the very stere- stereotypical Disney half-twos is the temper tantrums that our teenage uh, yes. um, protagonist has to have. The Disney-approved tactful angst. Oh, yes. And, of course, the Disney-approved tactful romance. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know? And... The surprisingly Disney approved. Who lit the candle again? I can't. I can't remember who lights the candle in this. I know. I know Max, but what was special about Max? I can't remember. He was a virgin. He was. The amount of times they talk about the fact that Max was a virgin, and that's another thing I wanted to. They talk should have just called this Max the Virgin instead of Hocus Pocus, right? I feel like they said that more than Hocus Pocus. No less than a dozen times did they mention that. Right. Well. That was another thing I wanted to talk about was how much they get away with in Hocus Pocus as far as adult humor or even like things that were not taboo during that time period of movies and Disney because we could not get away with this kind of stuff today. I don't think if Hocus Pocus were to be released today, they would have a positive outcome with some of the things that they say, some of the bullying that goes on, quote unquote. I mean, with ice. With ice and his buddy. Looks like a reinvigorated Fast Times at Ridgemont High Sean Penn type. Ah. Yes. <laughs> um, but we also see Danny, she calls Winifred ugly. That would not fly today. With shame. Shame. And I mean, multiple people end up calling Winifred ugly. In a hag. In a hag. And in... Sick burns. (laughs) Right. Just sick burns the entire movie. Right. And I mean, Disney did intentionally make Winifred look different. You know, she's with her two sisters who are very stereotypical sidekick type villain sisters being the less logical, less intelligent but more sympathetic one kind of has a lot of emotions. Mary? Yeah. Mary, otherwise known as the female version of Milton from Office Space. Right. Right. (laughs) The entire time she's looking for her stapler and stuff. The whole time. (laughs) And then for lack of better terms, Disney always has their dumb blonde who makes the dumbest jokes, who has no filter, and also has no common sense. Who are we looking for again? (laughs) It's just great. Like, and, you know, they all serve a purpose. True. But it's just the attacks that they make on these three witches would not fly in today's society if it came out today. Now, talking about the, the significance and the necessity of each of the witches, right? Yeah. So we have Mary. Milton, if you will. And she has the power to smell children. Like, that's her big contribution from yep. the Sanderson sisters. Sarah, for lack of a better term, can seduce children right. into coming. She's like to, a siren. She's a, Yeah, a siren. She's a siren. Mm-hmm. What's Winifred's? Well, as any good Disney Channel movie or Disney movie in general, the leader always has, like, no special like outside power 
they're just the boss, the leader, the oldest, or the most quote-unquote smarts. She did have the most smarts, but I think... So she also could do force lightning. She could. She could do force lightning. And she had some special bond with the book. Yes. Made out of human skin. And an eye. Gross. Nasty. Okay, I just wanted to... I couldn't really put my finger on what her special power was. Right. Like, if she had a very unique power, which I, I'm starting to think maybe it's the relationship she has with the book. Probably. Outside of that, I think she just kind of lives in this dominant state. As we see most of our supervillains in this time period of Disney have. Right. You know, Jafar really had a few things that he was capable of doing, but it wasn't until he had the genie that he was able to enhance all of those. Going to like comparing to Aladdin or if we compare it to Snow White, you know, the evil witch has powers, but it's not until she poisons Snow White was she really able to come to her full evil self. That's fair. Yeah. So for the potentially crazy living under a rock listener out there who has never seen Hocus Pocus, because fun fact, I know several people who have never seen Hocus Pocus. What? I know. Um, let's kind of just go through really quick and break down just the very, very basic structure of what this movie is, and then we can kind of run wild with it. Spoiler-free version. Okay. So we start with, you know, it's it's Salem 1600s, and we all know about the Salem witches. We've all heard stories about what happens in Salem and all the witches that have always come out of there, all of those, you know, crazy stories. And that's where this picks up. It picks up with Zachary Binks waking up, realizing his little sister is gone, runs barefoot through the woods, and these three witches are just trying to be young again. Cut to 1993. To be clear, they're making a potion that will allow them to suck the life out of the children, their vitality, if you will. Yeah. To make them young and beautiful. Yes. Younger sisters. (laughs) We then jump to 1993 with this family who has just moved from um, California to Salem. And we meet Max, who is hating life, as every teenage boy would, moving to a different state, location, what have you. We usually see that through the females. So it's pretty nice to see the men. Struggle. Struggle. Temper tantrums. Hop in their drum set. Just like, we'll see about that. Starts playing the drum. Anyway, he has this crush on Allison. Has no last name. She doesn't. She does not have a last name. No last name. None. Um, she He develops his crush on this chick named Allison, and he's just throwing all the temper tantrums. I gotta say, I admire the guts on Max. Like, because not only is he grumpy about moving, but we open in 1993 with the teacher talking about like the history of the Sanderson sisters in Salem. And he's very, he's a skeptic of the whole situation. And Allison completely shows him up 
apparently. Oh, yes. Talking about how Halloween is not a gimmick from the candy companies. And it's really All Hallows' Eve, and everybody's like, yeah, sick <laughs> burn, Allison. And then you get Max after that, I guess you could call it that humiliation. And he goes up, and he just has his name and number on deck. Oh, yeah. Ready to give her out of nowhere after right. after he's just owned by the this chickadee. The chickadee. Like, <laughs> well, that, you, you got to... You got to say that Max, Max has guts. Max is a lot of things. Shameless is obviously one of them. Right. Well, and I think what's really funny about that particular scene, too, is the amount of people who were so behind Allison for this quite nerdy nerd out about Halloween. Like the entire class erupts in thunderous applause. You see background characters throwing their fists in in acceptance up in the air. And you're like, that is a common knowledge fact that everybody knows. You can't all be this excited about Halloween. Like, you're teenagers. Just like the entire classroom erupting. Like, we talk about Disney tropes. Yes. Like, this this is one of those classic Disney stamps, I think. Yes. Absolutely. Which, it has a charm to it. It I'll, does. I'll say that. It does have a charm to it. And it just kind of like makes you roll your eyes like, oh, Disney. Yep, exactly. Well, you know, we experience more tantrums, more yelling, a very awkward scene with Max cuddling up with a pillow, pretending it is Allison. That is probably one of the most uncomfortable moments of the entire movie. Followed up by... His sister <laughs> pretending she's Allison. Right. Laying in his bed saying, kiss me, I'm Allison. That's weird. Let's not do that again. Wearing bright red lipstick, mind you. I don't have anything clever to say to that. That was, I mean, I, I just saw that as sibling banter. I think I think the creepier thing is with Binks. Binks is a weird, I, yeah. Binks is an uncomfortable character. Yeah, but it's fine. Yeah, we'll get to that. Anyway. Well, then we cut uh, yet again to trick-or-treating. Hold up. Can we go back real quick? Yeah. I want to talk about ice and ice. that first interaction as Max is coming home from school, riding his bike through the graveyard. Why? Ice and Budget Sean Penn are just chilling there, copping shoes off of people. Right. Like, there's no way Ice and Max are wearing the same size. Oh, no. Definitely not. Well, I think that's yet another Disney staple right there, is having the very stereotypical bullies who need a redemption story arc. Is there a redemption story there, though? Yeah, they end up crying in, in cages. That that's, a, that's the redemptive aspect it's, of that? It's redemptive for Max. <laughs> no, that's that's justice for Max. Redemption, justice. Same thing, right? There was a redemptive story for Cam and justice for me. Let's just be real here. Okay. <laughs> it, Pineapple and pizza. I did like that Ice and Budget Sean Penn were... Got their comeuppance. Yeah, got their comeuppance. Got locked up in a cage, poked with a pitchfork... By Sarah. By Sarah. Love her. Anyway, so 
he loses his shoes. Yes. Which it's just okay. Um, yes, he loses his shoes. Uh, and they encounter him yet again, Ice and Budget Sean Penn, after trick-or-treating at a house, and there is a candy toll. And Danny thinks she's so tough telling off these bullies, not afraid of anything, and then goes, well, I've got my big brother here. Come to find out, big brother's a chicken because he lost his shoes. That is all. <laughs> um, we get another Disney Channel staple with Danny crying in the hay, which you've already mentioned, and Max coming up and apologizing, which I also find is a huge thing with Disney is we get very quick forgiveness and very quick acceptance throughout old school Disney. No one stays sad for very long in Disney movies. Right. And no one stays a bad guy for very long if one person says, nah, they're a good zombie now. Because you get Danny who's like, Max, look out! Zombie! It's Billy! And then he's like, no, 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 no. Good zombie. And she's like, hi, Billy. Goes up to like... <laughs> We're jumping all over the place here. But <laughs> Billy looked like he just walked off of the set from the Thriller video. Right. That was an interesting character. So interesting. So we get that moment. And then they arrive to Allison's manor, not knowing it's her house. And they're like, oh, rich people. They've got all the money. Bet they're going to make us bob for apples and drink apple cider and then can we also now talk about the fact they just walked into this house very clearly nobody is trick-or-treating at this house nobody is approaching this house the two of them just open the door and say trick-or-treat and walk into this party well to be fair allison said she was on candy duty true so maybe they did have candy maybe they're like they want the house to look like it's unavailable for trick-or-treating. Yeah. But, you know, if 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 a kid is, like, feeling brave enough to come up to a dark house and a dark, unwelcoming house, then they'll throw some candy his way or hook yeah. him up with some cider or whatever. You know, either way. And that's when we are introduced to the Salem or the, the Sanderson house. Allison informs our two siblings that her mother worked at the museum um, that the house turned into, but it's been shut down for a long period of time. And Max is like, well, let's go make a believer out of me. Like, let's go and let's go and visit these Sanderson sisters. And of course, he has to then convince Danny that it's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. It's Disney. Somebody always messes up. At least they have their parents. At least they both have both sets of parents. Let's just be real. No tearjerkers in this movie. Anyway, so they go to the house, right? Yeah. Right. And they're exploring. And I just want to point out that Max gets so proud of himself when he... And I would assume this is probably the actor's decision because he probably auditioned was like, look what I can do with a Zippo lighter. Flick! Hit it on my thigh. Light Zippo lighter. Like... What a cool trick. Does it like six times in the movie? More like two, but it felt like six times. Grabs the Zippo lighter and they're like looking for the light switch. Does his little trick and is like, ah, oh, that's better. Squinting until he gets the light on. He's like, oh, now I can see. It's a Zippo lighter, people. 
how much light do you really get from a Zippo lighter? None. And that's a common theme throughout this. Like when they're in the crypt area. Yeah. Like they're using this Zippo lighter to see their way through these tunnels, which I don't think you get. you would get that much light from a, a Zippo lighter. No. Like I've been in pitch dark caves with lighter before. It doesn't do a whole lot. It does more than you would think, but it doesn't do that much. No, not enough to go squinty, squinty eyes and then, ah, I can see perfectly fine. Because let's be real, Allison is standing there with her hand basically on the light switch, but she can't see it until he has the lighter. I'd imagine like the director's like, no, wait, he's got to do the cool lighter trick. Put your hand down. <laughs> right. Kenny Ortega, what were you doing? And of course, at that point, we see the book for the um, first time in this century. We see the cauldron. We are being informed of like what the Sanderson sisters were. And then Max thinks it's so funny to light the black flame candle being all suave and whatnot. Can I just say, if you are a teenage boy trying to impress this girl, he's like, well, let's light it up. Let's not be scared. Trying this all superstitions, superstition stuff. I would think if Max was like, I'm not a virgin, it's not going to do anything, so I'll act all tough and cool. Everything would be fine. But he is a virgin, according to every single person including his seven, eight-and-a-half-year-old sister. That's what Mary classifies her as. I wouldn't be lighting that candle. I'd be like, um, because I don't know if I want this girl that I'm, like, checking out to think, oh, he's a virgin, like my sister has been this whole time. Well, I mean, it's high school, right? So right. what you don't know if, like, that could be a deal-breaker for Allison, too. Could be. This is true. True. They really do their best to drive that point home that this is a quality of Max. Right. And they don't do it in a subtle way. It's almost at times poking fun at the fact that this boy is a virgin. It's like Disney's subtle adult humor saying, not so subtle. Right. Disney. We see what you did there, Disney. Because you screamed it at us. For an hour and a half. I was going to say, needless to say, the Sanderson sisters return. And Danny is captured for the first of three times. Because no one can seem to take care of this child. Bad babysitting. Very bad babysitting. And of course, they escape. We get the epic moment of like, I'm going to set the sprinkler alarm off. Max jumps down. is like, I did it. And they run away. And they meet Binks. Talking but, cat. But not before we start getting more of the fun antics from the Sanderson sisters. Oh, of course. I just love all of the antics that we get from the Sanderson sisters in this. Like the Black River. <laughs> right. And then the fire truck comes. Right. And they just absolutely lose their minds over that. Right. I, and it's funny because like Mary and Winifred clearly have a pack together of like any... Any issues? Any scary moments? We're with Sarah first. So they, they encounter the quote-unquote Black River. And they are like, oh, I wonder if it's okay. And they push Sarah into it, which she then does her infamous scream that she does at least six times in this movie, which I don't know if any other human being could potentially recreate this scream that Sarah Jessica Parker does throughout this entire film. 
She's uniquely equipped for it. Yes. Yeah, that's it. I didn't know where I was going with that, except for the fact that they like to throw her around. We Binks. Binks is the creepy talking cat. Yeah. That everyone seems to be okay with. And he's like, this is hollow ground. The witches can't step here. Follow me. I have things to tell you. We just met this cat, right? We just met this cat. And he's like, I'm going to tell you some stories. Great. Wonderful. We have this creepy human skin eyeball book in our hand, a talking cat, and he wants to take us into a graveyard on Halloween to tell us stories. And what's the first story we learn? We learn about Billy, an irrelevant part to the saga at this current moment. I would feel like the more important thing to talk about was your sister, Zachary Binks. Or the incoming threat. Her sis- His sister is also irrelevant in the scope of this story true that has nothing to do with the upcoming threat right good point the same we at this point we already know that the sanderson sisters are interested in children yeah i don't think we know that they're trying to suck the life force from it so maybe maybe that's just what banks can provide that context like okay you can give us the story about Billy, the the lecherous, unfaithful zombie. Right. Maybe I, I maybe maybe the sister does set a little bit of context, like, oh, they sucked her life force and now she's dead. Right. And now I'm a cat. Right. And I think like the Emily Binks part would be more of a front runner of like, here's what they're doing. Because Zachary witnessed exactly what they were doing as they were doing it back in the sixteen hundreds. And then he was turned to a cat. Um, And then we get the very traditional Disney moments of humor and cat chasing mouse all over Salem. We have Sanderson sisters coming in, can't touch the ground, so they run away and escape the graveyard. And then we have the witches chasing after them. But that doesn't remove from the wonderful moments between that and the first of the the first defeat that we see Max, Allison, and Danny do with the Sanderson sisters. We get this one moment, and it's by far my favorite. I think it's the funniest part of the whole movie. Is Sanderson sisters drop down? They're like, there are monsters everywhere. This is amazing. Oh my goodness. They don't really recognize that they're quite yet children. They're walking around this corner on the street and this little angel girl comes around and says, God bless you and curtsies. And they flip out so hard and it's so funny. I die every single time we watch this movie and I see that part because it's just, it's so funny. You know, because they've sold the, their soul, technically, to the devil. And then this angel comes around and is like, God bless you. Like, it's funny. I like their joint antics in moments like that. Yeah. Like when, I mean, we, we they get to meet, quote unquote, Satan. Right. <laughs> who turns out not to be Satan, of course. Right. But like they're... Everything that they they all complement each other so well mm-hmm. with not not mm-hmm. only as characters but also the actresses themselves like they really vibe well off of one another right 
even even in like the small moments when they're just doing their dramatic searching walk, I, I haven't really decided what to call that yet. Their grunt walk. <laughs> oh yeah, they they grunting. <laughs> they grunting. Like that. I don't know why, but that just brings a smile to my face every time I've seen that. Yeah. In in, in these recent watches, just because it's so theatrical. Right. And they play it off so well with one another. Like, I actually feel a sisterhood between them. Yes. Maybe not like a sisterhood of traveling pants. I never saw that. But a sisterhood of brooms that they get stolen from children. What happened to those children that stole the brooms? I don't know. We never find out. Maybe that's the real tragedy of this movie. Well, yeah. Because if at the end, all the curses are broken... Their brooms, which are cursed to fly, that curse would be broken. And if they're midair, uh oh, bye bye. Heh. Pull the quote. <laughs> Goodbye, cruel world. Bye bye, world. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, bye bye. <laughs> Goodbye, life. Bye bye, life. <laughs> I love that part so much. But seriously, like, what happens to what happened to those kids? They never oh. closed the loop on that. Nope. We got the loop closed on Emily Banks. Thank goodness. Right. I want to know what happened to those kids. I mean, did those kids die? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe those kids grew up to be the kids from Escape to Witch Mountain. Maybe. Who knows? Hmm. Possibly. Or the founders of Halloween Town. Also possible. I don't know. I'm just really worried about them. I can see. Like, I didn't... Not an amber alert in sight in this. Right. I mean, parenting was not a win in this. Oh, no, because all the parents were at Town Hall. All the kids were running around doing, you know, trick-or-treating and stuff alone. Until 3 a.m. Right. 3 to 5 a.m. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess it was even later because the sun had already come up when the curse was broken. Well, yeah. Right. But these kids were like out and about all night by themselves. Where are the parents? At Town Hall, which is what leads me to my next point of very traditional Disney antics. And it would not be a Kenny Ortega movie if someone didn't sing. Bette Midler. Amazing. She really shone in... Her little musical segment. Oh, yes. And I I know that's like, I feel like that's everyone's favorite part. And everyone recognizes, even if they've never seen Hocus Pocus, that's the part they recognize because of Bette Midler's performance. Because she is a performer. Yes. Like through and through. And I think that's one of the reasons why she really shines not only in that scene, but just as the leader of this troop yes. of witches, the sisterhood. Yeah. Sans traveling pants. Yes. And of course, our heroes are trying so desperately to convince their parents that this is a bad thing if something has happened. And Bette Midler starts singing and puts a curse on all of the parents to dance until they die, which... Then spirals our heroes into complete panic, running down alleys. But real quick, that dance curse actually shows up in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No way. Yeah. Cool. Once more with feeling. Hmm. That's one of my 
favorite episodes. You know, taking this aside a little bit, it's also the musical episode. Okay. One, I know that you're kind of casually going through it, and that's one of the episodes where I'm like, you have to stop it and let me watch that with you. Oh, of course. I love that episode so much. Cool. Anyway. Anyway, Allison gets an idea. She's like, all right, I know a way we can get rid of these sisters once and for all. Let's go to the school. How these kids got into a public school in the middle of the night is beyond me. Where were the parents? Exactly. Not just into the school, but like into the principal's office, into like the art room where the oven was to take care of pots and sculptures. Why is this, this locked up? This kiln, the kiln should have been under lock and key. Right. Probably, the, you know, those sculptures, those are probably a scare tactic to keep kids away. Probably, because they probably couldn't afford a lock. Obviously, they didn't have one. I was speaking more towards your comments during the movie about how awful the sculptures were. Oh, they were so bad. So, so bad. None of them were good. But yeah, everything was unlocked. Everything was open. They push the sisters into the kiln, turn it on, poof, they burn. And they think they've won. And they dance in the street for a solid two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes of spinning around cartwheels at least. We then are... Led to believe that everything is fine and dandy. Binks gets to live with Danny and Max. And we have a very sweet yet inappropriate scene where Allison has fallen asleep at her quote unquote new boyfriend's house until 5 a.m. with no phone call to mom and dad. Where were the parents? Right. Exactly. Not an amber alert in sight in this. Nope. What are we teaching our children? Nothing. But go Max, though, right? Right. I mean, he scored. Yeah? He, <laughs> yeah. He, scored, he scored the chick. And, you know, they weren't able to get their first kiss. But, you know, they had slept cuddling up next to each other. So They were cuddled and they just happened to fall asleep next to a book made of skin. Right. Hashtag romance. Ew. Gross. But we're led to believe that this is the end. Everything's done. But it wouldn't be a Disney movie if we didn't have the return of the bad guys because they didn't actually die. And they come back and they steal Danny for the second time. Where were the parents? (laughs) And Allison gets yet another idea. So we now know who the brains of this operation is and who really cares the most about Danny and is thinking ahead. She's like, oh, we can just create sunlight because they can't stay up and they can't be alive when the sun's up. Like, we could probably do this. They get the car, shine the light, they save Danny again. Boom. Great. Wonderful. Fantastic. Splendid. And of course, they're like driving through a sea of kids because it's like five o'clock in the morning. Perfect sense. I ask again, where were the parents? I don't know. Do you know where your children are? Find them. Also, they were still in their Halloween costumes. Some of them were. Others were in like their dad's bathrobe. Yeah, weird. Carrying like old timey candles. Very weird. I thought we were watching Hocus Pocus, not Ebenezer Scrooge up in here. I don't think I saw any Ebenezer Scrooge hats, though. No, like probably old, no hats. Little nightcaps. It's just the candles. Just the candles. Yeah, it's close enough. Yeah. So they're like, all right, we have to protect Danny. We have to save Danny because they're coming after her. 
She said that Winifred was ugly and, you know, that's just warranted to get her killed. So let's go back to the graveyard. There's a surefire way to get you straight kilt. It's called Winifred a hag or ugly. Right. One way ticket. One way ticket to death. Double death. Triple death. Mega death. Rawr. <laughs> <laughs> So this is when we learn Billy actually has a vengeful heart towards Winifred and is much rather or in would much rather like smile over at Sarah, which we see him try to with his mouth sewn shut when Sarah's like, hi, Billy. He's like, hey, with his eyes in his mouth because he can't speak. We find out that Billy is actually on Max's side and they're like, all right, he's good. He's solid. Five seconds of he didn't kill me like we can trust this zombie. This is fine. And they put Danny in Billy's grave, circle it with salt, and prepare themselves for the epic final battle. Danny's a dummy because within five seconds, Billy's head rolls off, knowing she's the target, climbs out of the grave to help Billy with his head, and then gets taken for a third time. This was her fault. Take me once, shame on me. Take me twice, shame on you. Take me three times, you deserve to die. I'm just kidding, that was funny. I didn't follow that. Take me once, shame on me. Yeah, because you were dumb. You went to the you went to the Sanderson sisters' house. Take me twice, shame on you. I got a point blame somewhere else. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can't all be my fault. Well, I mean, she was... It's important to not lose your head in a situation like that, you know? And I guess that's just what happened here. He's a zombie. He'll be fine. She should have recognized it would have been okay. But she gets taken. Dummy. She a dummy. And then her brother drinks the toe potion. Right. Not before Binks sacrifices himself and with his kitty paw knocks it out of a human hand. Like, we see this, it's, I find it funny, we see this scene where he, like, is running up the trees, he jumps on top of Winifred, and then we see the potion, and, like, one paw kind of tap it away. You know what I actually appreciate about Binks? What? He reminds me a lot of the, I'm blanking on the name, but the cat from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, okay. I never watched Sabrina, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Was his name Jinx? I think it, it might have been Jinx. <laughs> Rip off. Anyway. Anyway, Max drinks potion. Winifred says- The toe potion. The, t- the, the toe and own tongue potion. because They bit their own tongue and spat it into the potion. Dead man's toe, bloody tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Drinks a nasty potion. Winifred is like, fine, you'll do. It's whatever. I'll take you. Begins to try to suck the life force out of Max- the rest of them successfully defeat Sarah and Mary. And then- Who is riding a vacuum cleaner. Oh, yeah. Let's not gloss over that. She is riding a vacuum cleaner. Sarah is on a mop. Well done, Disney. That was bravo. I, and so appropriate, too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I don't know what else I would pick. No. Well, nowadays, I'd probably pick a Swiffer wet jet. What if one of them was like on a Roomba? I was literally about to say like, or a Roomba and just stand on it and like hoverboard type style. 
Or you get like two Roombas. And like you can then skate through the you sky. S- you skate through the sky yeah, on two Roombas. Pretty dope. I'd be down for that. That'd be great. Maybe that's where those kids are. The missing kids that never got an Amber Alert right. in this movie. Right. No, but yeah, so Winifred's feet touch the how or the the ground of the graveyard and she starts to turn a stone and of course her last words are book because she calls out to her book in a very sing-songy way per usual with disney the book's more of like a dog oh yeah definitely more more her pet oh yes he he acts like a pet yeah and they all live happily ever after the end that is Hocus Pocus, a spoiler version. I said we were going to be spoiled for you. I was, but... I was waiting for this to finish. And I'll be like, that was a very detailed spoiler free. Right. But <laughs> that it... was more of like, a, I, and you know, we, we've, we've kind of stepped away from doing the whole walking through piece by piece right. thing. But really with a movie like this, we just kind of wanted to walk through parts that we really liked, Absolutely. I guess. Absolutely. There's a lot to like about Hocus Pocus. Right. Which is kind of why we, you know, actually walked through those bits and pieces. A lot of it's absurd, funny things. Oh, absolutely. And then there's like, you really do get some stellar performances, namely from the Sanderson sisters. I can't say the same thing about the kid actors. No. The child actors. Vanessa was okay. Vanessa was pretty good. I mean, as far as like Disney characters go. Mm Mm-hmm. I for I mean when you watch Hocus Pocus you don't really you watch it more for the Sanderson sisters you Absolutely. watch it more for Mary Sarah and Winifred Absolutely and I think if we go back to the the kid actors Vanessa Shaw is the I think she had a more successful run like of the three kids because she's seen a lot in different TV shows and different movies throughout her career Like what None of them are like major hits like she was in the hills have eyes okay that's about probably the only one that i see that's like a really big one 40 days and 40 nights 310 to yuma was pr- pretty big we're, we're just looking through here like i don't i don't recognize a majority of these i loved 40 days and 40 nights i thought that was a good movie that's another movie with shannon sossman in it okay cool yeah um 310 to yuma was also really good yeah but she had she had more of a successful run than the other two kids. Um, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, if you look at the poster in the advertisements of Hocus Pocus. You're not seeing the actors who played Danny, Max, and Allison. You're seeing the Sanderson sisters because Bette those Midler, were front and center. Right. Yep. Those are the big names. That was really what this movie was built around. The heroes just happen to be the heroes of this movie. We get more satisfaction out of the villains in this particular film which is one of the things that i love the most about this disney movie is we we fall in love with those sanderson sisters and we fall in love with sarah's crazy antics of jumping up and down singing around and eating gross spiders we love mary who is mumbling 99 percent of this movie looking for her stapler right and just like basically whining which in day to day, that's not something we find appealing, mumbling and whining. But in this movie, it's used as like a very positive, funny tactic. And then, of course, Winifred's bossiness. It's it's just really well executed. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, I'm not going to sit here and say like only these actresses could have played these characters. 
Oh, I will say uh, it. But they got the perfect cast for the Sanderson sisters. Right. I, I don't think anyone else could play these as well. And in fact, um, I don't know if it was this year or if it was a couple of years ago that there was a reunion of the Hocus Pocus group. And there's a musical too, isn't there? I don't know. I think there is a musical at some point. I mean, if Mean Girls gets a musical, how does Hocus Pocus not get a musical? I don't know. Oh, it was literally five days ago. Okay. The reunion was, or at least it was announced five days ago that they had a reunion. Yeah. I mean, they have like anniversaries and stuff, but if you look on YouTube, there's a reunion that happened. Yeah. I think it just, it held up so well. And I don't think there's a sequel. There's not. This has just been a standalone movie that has kind of been a, like when I think of non-horror Halloween movies, Mm -hmm. Hocus Pocus is one of those movies. Yeah. Which uh, we're coming up on the 30-year anniversary of Hocus Pocus. We are. Which is crazy to think about. Like, I mean, it's been 27 years. Right? Right. It's just good. It's just good. It's so good. Um, Dave, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Yeah. The one thing, uh, the one place that we didn't talk about in Hocus Pocus was because it wasn't in there because we did not talk about the Red 5 Network. (sighs) Good job. A not so terrifying place to go is the Red5Network.com. Check out all of our brothers and sisters on the Red 5 Network over there. Follow the Red 5 Network on your Twitters and your Instagrams at Red 5 Network for all the best in geek, nerd, sci-fi, and Star Wars. Check it out, y'all. Yeah. And if you like what you hear, go follow us on all of our fun things. I'm going to, you're probably going to edit this out because I'm going to butcher it. But we're on, we're on a website. It's pizzaandparsics.com. You can also find all our links at pizzaandparsics backslash backslash bit.ly backslash all the things. Ah, what are you doing? Dave's freaking out. You can also go on to our Instagram, which is Olivia is amazing. (laughs) dot com and our twitter which is liverito.com and uh if you like what you hear leave us a one-star review because we don't care (laughs) and we will never holler back (laughs) happy spooky season i did something to scare you so this has been pizza and parsecs (laughs) i'm dave i'm winifred sisters (laughs) book i'm liv and you can check out our show on the aforementioned red5network.com or, as Liv kind of but- said, butchered <laughs> pizzaandfarsex.com. We're on a whole bunch of podcatchers. You can either go to our website or head over to bit.ly backslash links PNP. Let's talk about that one star review real quick. Leave us one because you can't do zero. Let's 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 shoot for let's shoot for five stars, shall we? I like to keep my sights low. You don't You're, lose your expectation you that way. Keep you, Liv's ha, Liv has low expectations, so leave us a one star <laughs> review on iTunes. Just on iTunes, but everything else you can leave five star. <laughs> really mess with our algor- algorithm. In all seriousness, leave us a rate and review over on iTunes. 
We really appreciate the validation. It makes our hearts warm. It makes our hearts so warm that we get laser beams shooting out of our bodies until we blow up into dust. Glitter. Glitter. Colorful dust and glitter. Glitter dust. Yeah. What color would you be? Yellow. I'd be black. (laughs) (laughs) With such conviction that you you said that. Like, I'm black, dagnabbit. (laughs) I would be green, like Winifred. (laughs) So, anyway, leave us a five-star rating review on iTunes and make sure you're hitting us up on our socials at Pizza and Parsecs. We're on the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, <laughs> and leave us all the hollers you have and more. We will always holler back. I will at least. Live might not. Holla. And as always, folks. I holler back every episode. I always holler back every episode. Because you will holler back, girl. Yeah. I say holla every episode. That's my only holla. Holla. <laughs> Okay. And as always, folks, thank you so much for joining us. Mischief managed. May the force be with you. God bless. And goodbye, crew world. Bye, world. Look at the glorious morning. Makes me sick. <laughs>